looking over here at this family right here. This is my family, Party family. right over there. They're, they're bigger than the Brady Bunch. <laughs> they really are. Good to see all the families here. And I, I wish y'all would stand up for just a minute. Stand up. We're going to do something a little bit different. Wow. What I would like for you guys to do is Kim's going to play a little... Actually, you know, I'll just play a little bit of something. And I want you to greet the people that are around you for about... Oh, 45 seconds, if you can bear that. So, so turn around and just greet people in front of you or in back of you. Just say hello and introduce yourself. <laughs>
I thank you. You are so good. And those words fall short of the true heartfelt meaning of what that is for each one of us, the testimony that we have of how good you have been. You are. We love you, Jesus. You may be seated. We are going to continue through worship um, with our Advent meeting today in the Holy Candle. And the Georges would come up. Brian and Lara, thank you so much for leading in that this morning. Has it been a busy week for you? <laughs> it's been like sitting in a railroad track and watching that freight train go by and by and by. All the things that are on the calendar that, that we do. And we've had some good times with family. In fact, we had somebody drive out to our house that counted 170 cars in our driveway. <coughs> Just kidding. John Knight coming out. Actually, he said 197, but I didn't understand Actually, we had 17, but anyway, uh, with that said, uh, just, uh, I wanted to thank you guys for coming, and uh, I hope that the Lord will speak to you through His Word today, and uh, I'm trusting that He will, because I've been praying for it, and I'm certain that other people have been praying for me as well, so let's, once again, let's just stop down and pray. Father God, thank you for your Word. Your Word is alive. Lord, your Word is active. It's a two-edged sword that's able to divide um, our intents and everything in our hearts, God. You are the king of hearts this morning, and I pray that your word would speak to each of us, whether individually or severally, God, you're able to do that. You're able to take one word and change it um, to fit the people that are here today, God. Lord, we just pray that you would be welcome in every heart. God, that you would help us to just listen to what you would say to us with that small, still voice. Lord, help me to share what you've given me to share. In Jesus' name, the church said, Amen. Amen. First scripture that I want to have you guys turn to, because I was thinking about, oh, the kids need to be dismissed, sorry. First and fifth grade, do we have any? We do. Sorry. Got to get used to that. That's a pastorly duty that I am not able to remember I look at guys like John back there and Maxine. How long have you been married? 67 years. 67 years. And still sharp. And still sharp they are. So uh, we're thankful for you guys and the blessing that you are. The, we're going to start today in, uh, and I, if I had to put a title on it, it would be faith through the roof. Or what lengths would we go to? And uh, we're going to first start in reading Micah, chapter 6 and verse 8. And he says, He has shown you, O mortal, 
what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The immortal creator God, unbound by time, has shown us mortal what good is. And in so doing, what does he require? He's not asking. He says, what does the Lord require from you? He's not asking you. This is what God requires. And back in the days, this book was written in 750 B.C. We're going to be reading out of the book of, of Mark here in just a minute. And that is written um, about, it's written about the time that Jesus was on, on the earth, which was, uh, this is probably like 31 A.D. So it's like 780 years before, before between the two books. And the people that were living in Jesus' day, this is what they had. There was a, also a verse in Deuteronomy that's similar to that, which Jesus quoted saying, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your strength. But this is an easy one. And it, you notice it just gives us three things. Right? I can remember three things. Normally, I can't remember dismissed children, but I can remember three things. Because I have fingers to count those three things. The first one is to act justly. The second one is, is to love mercy. Mercy and loving mercy means that you, you give people mercy when they don't deserve it. Because if they deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. So be merciful. Act justly. Be merciful. And to walk humbly, and I love this, with your God. With your God. He's always there, especially in this New Testament time where the Spirit of God has come to make His abode, His abiding, His home within us. We can do that even more appropriately and easier than they did back in the Old Testament days. But when we turn to Mark, this is what they were living by. Simple things. Today we will visit the Gospel, which means good news of Mark, um, we always render it as good news. We think, okay, the gospel means good news. But there's more to it than that. The good news was brought to us, and it, as it is implied, by messengers. Messengers of the good news. Eyewitnesses of the good news. And that's what Mark was doing. Was putting down, writing down all of this stuff about Jesus. If you, if you read the book of Mark, man, it's like... It goes fast. It's, that word immediately is in there a lot. But we're going to pause for just a second to go to Mark chapter 2. And we're going to, we're going to look at verse, verses 1 through 12. But before that, I want to give us, I like to do a backstory before we get into the actual message. And the backstory starts in Mark chapter 1, uh, beginning at about 40. If you'll read along with me, it says, A man with leprosy came to him. And begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And it wasn't like Jesus said, when he's on his knees and he's begging, he said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus saw his faith and he didn't go, I am willing, be thou clean says he was moved with compassion. And I'm, I'm sure a big smile came upon his face. I am willing. Right? Be clean. And he tells him, he says, Jesus sent him away at once. Oh, wait, wait. Most important part. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. But go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to him. What's he do? Instead, he was going to be a witness to the priest. He was supposed to go and bamboozle the priests with this miracle. That 
was what Jesus had told him to do. But he didn't. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in the lonely places, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Some of us, when we want to be alone, we get awfully aggregate, aggravated when somebody comes, right? We try to get off by ourselves, to have a minute alone, and the phone is ringing. Or somebody's, Mom! Mom! Dad! And we go, Woo! I have a right to be alone! You think Jesus was like that? Everywhere I go, here they come! <laughs> it says that they came to him, and they were healed. They were no longer, he could never go into a town, but he does in chapter 2. And this is what we're going to be reading about. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Now, Capernaum was not Jesus' home. If you'll remember, Jesus said, I don't have a place to lay my head. The foxes have a place to, hold, to lay their heads, but the Son of Man doesn't have any place. It was Peter's home. That was his home base, was in Capernaum. Capernaum was a fishing village. And Jesus goes, but that's home for him. He has a lot of people there that know him, that love him. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Now, they couldn't get in. There's a crowd. They can't get into the door. And it's four guys. We don't know their names. The Bible doesn't tell us who they are. They are not mentioned. It's not that they weren't important, but they're just normal people like you and I, right? I don't think my name would ever get mentioned in anything, you know? I mean, obviously, yeah. It wouldn't even be in the newspaper unless I did something wrong. But, um, but there's four guys. We don't know who the man on the paralytic, we don't know who the paralytic is or how he got that way. We don't know if, if he was born that way and he just laid around and these four guys said, you know what, Jesus is in the house. Let's go get that guy and bring him. Jesus can heal him. Or, you remember Bob who got all tangled up in that net and, and now he's, a, he's paralyzed? Let's get old Bob and let's bring him in front of Jesus. We don't know the backstory on that. All we know is these four guys acted in love and compassion and they were determined. Everybody say determined. Determined. That's right. And they were so determined because they're about to meet a lot of obstacles. Everybody say obstacles. How many have seen how, uh, oh brother, how art thou? Oh, come on. Yeah, three of you. I know, so it's, it's, a hard play. it's a hard thing to admit in church. <laughs> but um, anyway, it says that they couldn't get to Jesus because they were blocked. Because of the crowd, obstacle number one is the crowd. So the next thing they, that we read is um, they made a, an opening in the roof. Whoa, 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 whoa. How'd they get to the roof? They're outside the door. They're carrying this guy. Four of them are carrying it. Now, how do you get to the roof? I'm going to hope they had stairs because a ladder would have been impossible. So we're going to hope they had stairs and went up to the roof. And that was common in those days. They had either a ladder or stairs because they spent a lot of time on their roofs because it was they didn't have air conditioning. Plus, it was a good place to watch the sun come up and the sun go down. They were very much interested in the days, because when it got dark, man, they didn't, they were in. Sunset, they were in. They watched sunset and they were in. But anyway, so that's obstacle number two was getting up on the roof. Can you imagine taking a guy, I don't know how much this guy weighed, but let's just say that he's, oh, I don't know, Bubba's size. Four guys, four guys trying to haul Bubba. 
Now, remember, he can't move or help you at all. He can't lean to the right, left. He can't lean to the right or stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. He can't do any of that. He's totally paralytic. And they're having to go up the stairs. And then it says, obstacle number three is the roof. So they start digging through it. With what? I think that before they went up on that roof, they went and got some implements of destruction. <laughs> and they got some rope because they were going to let him down in front of Jesus. And I have the feeling that they knew Peter's house. They were probably fishermen too. I'm just guessing. It's Gospel of Frank. I don't know. I'm just guessing that they were fishermen too. So, they get up on the roof. They've got something to dig. And now they've got to let this guy down. So, I'm sure if they were fishermen, they tied some really good fisherman type knots on this mat. Yeah? And then they had to let him down slowly. They had to have a hole big enough for the guy. Imagine sitting in the house. And you guys have come to see Jesus. You think Jesus was still talking while all this was going on? At one point, he had to stop. You know, and just kind of look and see what, what is going on. As if he didn't know. But, so all this plaster and all this stone is falling on the ground. In front of all these people. Between the people and Jesus. Man, they know how to make an entrance. So they have to lower him down to where he doesn't fall. That is obstacle number four. They have to lower him down. But how do they do that? Because they wouldn't be stopped. How many of y'all have ever had obstacles to your faith? Obstacles to your faith. Whether it's the crowd. Yeah. Whether it's the crowd, whether it's you can't get someplace you want to go, and, or whether it's once you get there, you don't have what you needed, so you've got to go get it. Um, there's obstacles in life all over the place. But those obstacles are there for a reason. Our, the obstacles are there for you to overcome with your faith. Amen. They could have given up at any time. Well, there's just too many people. I'm sorry, Bob, it's not your day. We'll wait till everybody else leaves and maybe Jesus will have compassion on you. No, they, I love this Hebrews 11, 1. I've always loved this. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, hope, and assurance about what we do not see. I love that the sentence starts out with the word now. Now faith. Not the faith you had before. Not the faith you're going to have. But now faith is substance. And they had them some now faith. You know what? I, I pray to God that if I find myself in a bond, that I'm going to have four friends or four strangers that care enough about me to help me out. And this is a picture of the church. When that stranger comes in the door, we did a little thing a while ago where everybody was greeting everybody. Woe be it far from us to somebody visit our church and nobody says boo to them. Nobody says hi. Nobody reaches out. Gives them a smile. It's free. Give somebody a smile. Because if we can't express the joy that's within us, then it's worthless. Because we really don't have it. We say we have joy. But it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Which means you don't have to tell anybody. The glory will just show. Amen? Yes. Yes. This is a picture of the body of Christ working together and taking the weakest among us to Jesus. Invite somebody to church. It's 
Christmas time, y'all. There's no better time for people to hear the gospel, the good news, that that little baby in a manger grew up to be a man and died and paid for our sin. And he says, come let us reason together that though your sins be as scarlet, I will wash them pure as wool. When Jesus saw their faith, verse 5, He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. First things first. Remember, they were living by the, mal by the, by the Micah standard of living, to love justice and, and mercy and, and all of that. And they, they, that's what they were living by. And He said immediately, your sins are forgiven. And what's the first thing he called him? Son. Son, your sins are forgiven. Isn't that amazing that he, in that culture where they lived, if you were on the side of the road with a, something wrong with you, a malady, people in that day figured you must have done something bad. For God to have made you like that. Or your parents did. Because I asked Jesus, who sinned? Him or his parents? Remember that? So by the first thing he did, by saying, son, your sins are forgiven. Puts him at ease. I love this next part. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves. Teachers of the law, saying yesterday, today, and forever. Sadducees, Pharisees, a lot of them. Jesus calls them white, whitewashed sepulchers with dead, dead men's bones in them. Jesus had no trouble with the people. He only had trouble with the religious. Why does this fella talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. Notice it's in my heart. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man, I love that he called himself the Son of Man. Capital M, by the way. He was identifying with us. <clears throat> he has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. The rest of it, I anybody can say, your sins are forgiven. Because it's an invisible thing. Our sins being forgiven when we met Jesus, nobody saw that happen. I mean, you prayed a prayer and your sins were forgiven, but it's not something that you can physically, tangibly see. But what he does here is he says, oh, you think, you think I, that that wasn't real? How about this? How about this? And he tells him, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Three things. Get up. Oh no, I'm paralyzed. No. Get up. And for the first time, probably, who knows how long, he felt strength in his body. <coughs> he felt strength in his body. And he got up and he says, take your mat and go home. Now, the first people that we read about, the leper, he didn't do that. He had been told to go to the synagogue. He didn't do that. He went and told people. This guy, he tells him, and I'm sure if I was that guy, I'd be saying, oh, why can't I leap and dance and jump for joy and sing praises to God? Why can't I do that? But he told him, no, I want you to take your mat and go home. And there's no indication that he did anything else but that. And I believe that the reason he did that was so that that man, from then on, at his house, had something that he could look at 
that pointed to his old life that made him happy about his new life. That was the old man. This was the new man. Able to walk around. Able to be actively employed if he was so... He could do anything he wanted now. Besides lay there and, and have to have other people take care of him. He was empowered. And I think that happens to us so many times that we... We... Uh, we tend to sometimes take, make common the things of God. We don't know the... Can I just share with you from my heart that, and I'm going to be transparent here, is that I've been following the Lord for 40 years nearly. But I can remember when I was born again. I remember where it happened, when it happened, and how it happened, and everything about the first couple of years. There was something that was different. It was like the Lord had me under His wings. And it's kind of like a toddler, you know? They get to where they can get up, and they need somebody to hold on to them to walk them. And I believe that's what God was doing for me. And during that time, can I tell you, now I'm not on the camera anymore, so I better get back up here. I love to walk. But, uh... The walking. The walking. The other thing that I remember is that the clouds seemed so close. It was as if Jesus could come at any moment. I still believe that, but I'm telling you, I'd be driving my truck, continually watching the sky, waiting for my Savior. And now, especially the way things are going in this world, I'm going, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Bible says that faith works by love. <clears throat> Back James said, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. You know, we have had, thanks to God, We've been so blessed with an incredible run of souls, baptisms, people joining the church right now. It's, whew, it's invigorating. I remember some years ago, we were doing Operation Christmas Child. And I don't know what we were bringing in back in the day, but I made a mention right over there that, and it was a big, it was a big mention. I said, well, Gideon had 300. How about we set our goal at 300. Okay. Seemed pretty big. Now, we'd be at 1,461. 1,400 and something boxes. Amen. But it all started with an island prize. Whoever, this whole story started because somebody cared enough about somebody to bring them to Jesus. Come on, y'all. It's Christmas. Let God put somebody on your heart and invite them to church. Invite them to the Christmas play. Invite them to all the wonderful singing in the morning. Invite them to the candlelight service on the 24th. More than anything, I, I was speaking to somebody who I'm not going to talk to you, tell you her name this morning. She was telling me that um, there was a guy that she met that was a Jehovah Witness. And he was raised that way. And she told him, she said, well, I'm sorry about that. She said, you know, but they, your, your parents didn't do you any favors. And so she talked to him about the Lord and led him to Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to say it. Anyway, just the least of them among us. This particular person is not somebody that you would say, why, she is a dynamo for God. <laughs> but she is. She is. And so are you. 
So when you, God has outfitted each of you with something that nobody else has, the Spirit of the Lord and the Word of your testimony. Everybody that's received Christ in this room has a testimony. And it's not for us to lock up, put it in a little box somewhere, keep it in a little... No, it's to share it. That's how we overcome the evil one. By the Spirit of the Lord so I'm going to let you guys out fairly early today. <laughs> Not that you need to go eat anything else. But uh, that's pretty much all, all that I've got is that it says that he took up his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, mercy When we first got saved, and even after that, there's something that happens. The most important time as a Christian that you'll ever have is when you either have something to do with or you are in the presence of somebody being born again. It is magical. It's the Lord's strength. It's the Lord's strength that comes into you. So, um, you know, so how... Have faith through the ceiling that God can use you. And uh, the next question is, what length will you go to? Like the length of rope, get it? What length, what length will you go to? And I'm not saying we're going to tie them up and bring them, but yeah. As y'all stand, let's uh, go ahead and close down. Going to be a song that's going to play in just a moment, and uh, I'm going to be down in front to, uh, to pray with whoever needs me to pray with them. If you, uh, a, this is a place where decisions are made. If you don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about, I'm not talking about the historical Jesus. I'm talking about the Spirit of God living inside of you, the real thing, the real. Uh, person of Jesus. Remember it said at the beginning to walk humbly with your God. God never meant for you to walk this thing alone. <coughs> but we're going to give opportunity for it's very uh, once you make that decision and to make Jesus Lord it's very, very easy process. Um, now it's not going to be easy the rest of your life. Just because you get born again doesn't mean that all your, that all your problems are solved. Everything goes from black and white to technicolor. It's not quite that simple. But you'll have eternal life. And you'll have the God of the universe living inside of you. You can be like the paralyzed man. Maybe your paralysis is not physical. Maybe your paralysis is a habit that cripples you. Come lay it off. Jesus' feet today and live like the man in the story and you're 